Combo Nation Combos Court episode 176 is here, but before we get started, I need you to get this done for me. Pause this episode and go rate and review wherever you listen to Combos Court. That's right, leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to the show. It helps the show tremendously and we here at Combos Court would greatly appreciate it. Pause the episode, get that done for me, then tune right back in because we have a great one for you. Come on, nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 176 of Combos Court, and I am Combo. As I said before the episode, I'm going to say it again. Rate and review wherever you listen to the show and punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Today's show, co-host of Sports Illustrated's Open Floor Podcast, Michael Pina joins in. A great conversation with Michael. We discuss Vince Carter's impact, the asterisk debate, plus more. You can find Michael on Twitter and Instagram at Michael V. Pina. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-V-P-I-N-A. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. You could catch me on Twitter at Combo's Court. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Michael Pina, co-host of Sports Illustrated Open Floor Podcast. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. How are you feeling today? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I've had Ben on the pod before. I, I was actually way back. It's good to have you on. Been listening to the pod. A couple hot takes, a couple interesting takes. You guys were mighty tough on Vince, man. You guys were mighty tough on Vince. And uh, you even said if you had a vote, you might not even give him the Hall of Fame nod. Uh, why so? Uh, well... Uh, I mean, first of all, I thought I was pretty uh, generous with my assessment of Vince's career. I mean, I I was complimentary about the slam dunk contest in 2000, which was like a a career, I guess, like in terms of my fandom, just like a a highlight for me as a basketball fan. Again, like it's really difficult to uh, separate the longevity from the peak. And just when I look at the peak, when you peak in year three of your career, as impressive as it was, and then you don't really have any playoff success to speak of, it's just, it's, it's kind of difficult. I just think he didn't live up to the expectations that he set for himself so early on in his career. But I think impact does matter. Like, we could always look at wins and, mm-hmm. and championships. Um, like, let's say, like, a guy like Pistol Pete. Sure. I mean, his impact, I think, has something to do with why he's in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he averaged 24.2. So, I mean, he had numbers as well, never won a championship. But don't you think that has something to do with it? Like, maybe the emotional connection a lot has to that player? Or do you think it should all be numbers and winning? And- no, 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 no. I, don't, I do not think it should all be numbers at all. Um, I'm not one of those people. And I do think cultural impact uh, is, should be reflected in your resume. And Pistol Pete's a really good example. I mean, one of the greatest college players of all time. Right, right. Um, But, like, with Vince, it's a little different for me just because 
he was categorized as one of those guys. He was a Kobe. He was a, uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys who were in that. Uh, I mean, we talked about Paul Pierce in our latest episode. AI. AI. Um, um, he was uh, Tracy McGrady. Grand Hill. Sure. Grand Hill. Yeah. Too so it's like, I think Vince will make it. Let me be clear. And right. so it really doesn't matter what I think. Um, <laughs> it's just an interesting take. Cause I don't think many would have that take. Would you agree? Um, I, I, I think that the majority of people would say that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. But right, I right. would also say real quick that I think the Hall of Fame is a little too lenient on who it allows in. I wish that the the parameters, it was a little more difficult to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Because there's some guys in there, you know, Ben, uh, my co-host, mentioned Mitch Richmond, who is kind of like the... Who was a great player. Great, but, great player, no doubt about yeah. it. But it's like, at some point, not everyone can make the Hall of Fame, so... Right. Uh, Michael, Vic Oladipo will sit out of the bubble. That just came out. Okay. Um, I know from what I'm hearing from you, you don't think the asterisk debate is much of a debate at all. Mm, everything can be debated. But right. I, I do not th- – I think that there has to be an asterisk um, just by definition of what we – why we have asterisks in sports and in life. This is an incredibly unusual – situation uh this is unprecedented we cannot compare the winner of this competition to any winner in history for myriad reasons and so it's not even necessarily to denigrate the accomplishment of winning the title this year it's just to separate it from everything in the past because whoever wins the title this year it's just not the same path that the Raptors took last year or the Mavericks took in 2011 or the Celtics took in 08 or the Lakers took in 2010. There's just every, every year is different, but this year is different from everyone in the past. Do you subscribe that the bubble will be safer than uh, people actually saying staying home? Cause that's what I'm hearing. That's what they're trying to say, but you actually have to get to the bubble. You got to get to the bubble. I mean, we just saw that uh, the Los Angeles Clippers are closing their practice facility and it's a day-to-day situation because someone who's in their travel party tested positive a couple of days ago. So, I mean, uh, getting to the bubble is going to be very difficult. And then once you're in the bubble, uh, you know, I've said, I said this on the podcast, but, you know, the NBA is basically dotted the I's, crossed the T's on their plan, their handbook, their guidelines. And I think they're really great. But in practice, it's just going to be so difficult to keep a disease that is so communicable and so contagious out when there's 1600 people and a lot of them are going in and out. So it's like, I, it's, people are going to test positive. Players are going to test positive. Staff members are going to test positive. And the NBA is just going to have to deal with it as it goes along. If this season does return, which I feel like we have to preface every question with that now, like Mm -hmm. every question, um, who do you feel, which teams do you feel the bubble will benefit? I think it'll benefit Houston. Um, I think it's going to have more of that open run type feel. And I Mm -hmm. feel with players like, well, even Westbrook is a guy who can feed off the crowd. So he's a little bit iffy with that, but I feel like those two guys could really get off. And now they have added spacing with the way they play now, small ball. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you like them in the bubble more than if there wasn't a bubble? And who else do you like in the bubble? I've 
always really liked the Rockets for, you know, uh, having two extremely effective offensive players in Harden and Westbrook. Like, those guys are unstoppable one-on-one. They're going to have more space now. They're going to have a ton of spacing. They're playing Rocco at the five or P.J. Tucker at the five. Those are really capable three-point shooters, really great, uh, versatile defenders. So I, I just always like the Rockets. I don't know if they can beat the Lakers in the second round, which is likely what their, who their opponent will be. That's going to be incredibly difficult. LeBron and AD is just like, that's a monster. Right. Um, but... The path is going to be difficult. I do like the Rockets, though. You make a really good point about them. Uh, you know, I think up in the, the the NBA has been increasingly going faster and faster every year for the past however many years, 20 years or so. And I think in the bubble, because these guys, you know, playing in half court, there's going to be no rhythm. There's going to be no real chemistry with – it's going to be really difficult to develop chemistry on the fly, even though these guys were teammates four or five months ago. So I think it's going to be rip it and run, honestly. And that's going to really benefit a team like Houston. Um, I mean, I guess it's it's a really dumb answer, but just like I think the teams that have the most talent are going to benefit. No, that makes sense. Because like an open run type feel, which I think this will be usually just a t- like dynamic, talented guards could really get off in that type of feel, you know? For sure. I think there's going to be a lot of iso ball. Right. Um, I think a team like the Clippers with Kawhi and PG and – I don't really think they're going to play necessarily like they did in the regular season. I think it's going to be a lot more, uh, a lot more like, I mean, with Lou Williams too, just like a lot of direct pick and roll and just let those guys cook. And that's great for Kawhi. I mean, he can just run a high pick and roll with Montrez Harrell and then pull up at the right elbow every single time or isolate or post up or whatever. So I think the the style of play is going to be really interesting, but it's going to benefit the teams that just have those like dominant ISO players, which is kind of similar to how the NBA has always been to a degree. But the teams that don't have those guys are really going to be out of luck, I think. Oh, we're seeing these pictures of Zion. He looks in shape. He looks ready. Um I've been asked on a podcast, uh, actually the Max Van Auken podcast, shout to Max. He asked me, uh, do I think Zion has a chance for rookie of the year? I don't think so because I think Jaw's going to come back better as well. And obviously he had a lot, he had a lot bigger sample size. What are your thoughts on the rookie of the year race? And do you think it could change within this bubble? Like it's obviously John Morant right now. I think, um, do you think that could change in the bubble? Ja should be the runaway favorite. Right. Should already have it locked up. I do think because of recency bias that if the Pelicans were to somehow make the playoffs and leap ahead of Jaws Memphis Grizzlies and Zion is averaging 28 and 14 or whatever. In limited minutes. In limited, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, then I do think that some, I mean, it's all dictated by the media, which you have to remember. And so I think people love, like they want to create this star. And so right. I think there will be media members who bypass the fact that this guy didn't play the first like four months of the season. And they just look at what he's doing in these eight games and how incredible he was. And I do think some people could vote for him, but like, that would be ludicrous in my opinion. Like it's John, John Morant. It should like run away with it. For sure. And I think he's going to come back even better. He just, John Morant to me strikes me as a guy, I don't know him personally that would play basketball, even if he wasn't in the NBA. So I think he was staying in shape. I think he's going to be ready, and I think he's going to play even better, in my opinion. Michael, I had the Lakers. Um, 
preseason. I have the Lakers still. Who did you have preseason? Who did you have during the season? And will it change in the bubble for you? So I'm an idiot. Uh, I picked the the Rockets preseason for the third year in a row. And because I'm not, I'm not going to back off that, even though I think I like, I'm, I'm smart enough to recognize that it's really difficult for them to actually win it all, but I don't want to back off that prediction uh, in case they do win it all. Uh, So I'm sticking with the Rockets, but I mean, when I look at, like, I think Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the world. And in a playoff format, I think he's just about, especially what we saw from him on the defensive end this right. year with the Clippers. I, like, you'd be a fool, in my opinion, to, not that the Lakers are a bad pick, but you'd be a fool to, like, look at the Clippers and Kawhi and be like, I think another team can beat them. I, I just think Kawhi's like, he's such an incredible player. He's not even 30 years old yet. Like that guy is such a machine. And if Lou Williams does play, which we're not a hundred percent certain that he will, Doc Rivers said that he probably will. That team is just like loaded offensively. And I don't know how you defend them in crunch time with Lou Will, Montrez, PG, Kawhi, and whoever the fifth is, maybe Landry Shamit, maybe someone I'm not even thinking of right now. Um, uh, that team is just – they're really good. For sure, for sure. I think the Lakers would actually attack Lou Will um, if he plays meaningful minutes at the end of the game. That would be their issue. Can I ask you, who, who do you think would be the closing five for the Lakers? Oh, man. So, obviously, LeBron AD, uh, Danny Green. Uh-huh. Uh, is playoff Rondo a real thing? Can we <laughs> – <laughs> I don't. I might go with Rondo in some situations and, and put two shooters with him. But uh, KCP and um, man, it's tough, man. I, I don't know if I could trust Kuzma yet. Kuzma's tough because you'd have to basically put him at the three, right? Like yeah. And then there's, I mean, if you put him in instead of Danny Green or Casey, I think you have to have Danny Green. I think I think he's the X factor. I think if he shoots well, uh, they I win agree. a championship. I agree. So, and I've always said that. So them three. You need one more spacer, I think. So, so it's KCP? Yeah, KCP. And, and we have to see what Caruso does. So sure. Caruso or Rondo. I mean, if Caruso just plays awesome when he, takes some of the, when he soaks up some of these minutes, um, I think you might have to go with him too. So him or Rondo. So I would go. You know, you know, you know we did not mention uh, J.R. Smith. Do you, are you confident at all in J.R.'s ability after basically not playing in the league for over a year? I think you have to try him out those first eight games. I think mm-hmm. that's a trial period for them. But also, you also want to keep that. I think that's their, also their advantage over the Clippers is that they don't have to flip the switch. Like, they were already – I mean, well, everybody has to flip the switch now because everything mm-hmm. is paused for, like, all this time. But they were already a championship-level team before this. So you have to balance that with tri- giving, like, a trial period for JR, but also keeping the chemistry at the same time. So that's going to be something they have to work with. But I think you see how he does in those first eight games and then see where you go from there with him. But, you know, he's a guy that could win you a game. He can, he can, he, he could, I don't know if he still can. We'll see. Um, to your point, I think real quick, like thinking about the Lakers off the top of my head in terms of uh, their chemistry, I think it'll be probably easier for them to pick things up just because 
I mean, they're just like, first of all, you talk about rip and run, like they're just throw away, throw ahead passes and yeah. uh, letting AD cook in the front court with nobody around, uh, like high pick and roll with LeBron and AD. Like those guys, I think, will pick things up where they left off pretty quickly. They're probably already doing it in training camp right now or, or whatever they're doing right now at the practice facility. So I'm not really concerned about that, but I just am concerned about the depth. I don't see like who their sixth and seventh guy is and Caruso we don't even know up. who like who would be in the closing five yeah exactly so that's a little concerning I think if you're trying to win an NBA championship yeah I mean the thing is though LeBron is I would have to say he's the most disciplined player in the NBA and I'm sure he had those guys working in some form or fashion throughout the whole break mm-hmm. um, I think they'll be most prepared from that point like in terms of training, in terms of mentally staying active and focused and locked in. Um, I think this break was an advantage for him because a lot of guys need NBA structure to stay in NBA shape and stay NBA ready. LeBron doesn't need that. And he probably knows how to, I know from playing overseas, when I used to be able to sit out of practice and I could take care of my body in a certain way, I'd perform better, even if it was, Mm -hmm. if it meant missing a practice. So that obstacle of working through your games and your practice, he didn't even have to do that. He could just, totally focus on his own body throughout this whole time. I think he's going to have a tremendous advantage and he might look even younger um, after this break, I think. And also he's a super leader and I think he probably kept them super disciplined during the summer. I think the Lakers have an advantage and I still think they'll win it all. Like I said, preseason. Yeah. What do you think about the bucks? Do you like the bucks? I never was as high on the bucks as everybody else. And I'm not as high on Giannis as everybody else. And I've said that many times and people, <laughs> people kill me for it. Um, I'm not as high on Giannis, man. And I think this is kind of like my high tech. I think he'll eventually win championship as a second option somewhere wow that is a very hot take um i i in terms of the bucks as this overwhelming favorite i kind of agree with you i i do think they deserve a ton of respect and the way they play is really suit like perfectly fits their personnel right and in talking about chemistry like they're great like that, that's probably the best chemically balanced team in the whole nba but a lot of question marks after four months off and I'm super interested to see how Giannis plays without fans because right. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. he's like, he, he's an energy guy. He's not a shooter. I mean, he was taking some threes this season and you know, guys are 10 feet away from him when he's lined up to, to, to fire away, like in an empty gym, what does that look like? He's airballing free throws. Like, Giannis is really – he's going to be really interesting to me. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how he, he is in, like, crunch time of a big game. Right, and I've said this before on the podcast as well, which I haven't heard anybody else say. Um, mistakes are going to be magnified, man. When, when you're at an empty gym and you shoot an airball, everybody's watching you. There's no distractions. They can't pan off. Yeah. It's going to look really crazy. And, you know, the guy who sits on their couch and never played basketball before – is going to be like, oh, you guys are NBA players, airball, you know, this, and it's going to look even crazier for a guy like that that doesn't really understand everybody makes mistakes, you know. Um, also, the thing with the Bucs is who's their third best player? I mean, to win a championship, you got to have like three or four really, really good players or you really don't have a chance. So um, I love Middleton and Giannis is obviously MVP candidate, great. Uh, yeah, who's their third guy, Bledsoe? Good player, but I don't know if you can win a championship with him as their third best player. And DiVincenzo is a really good player. Maybe he could step up. I like DiVincenzo. 
George Hill was shooting the crap out of the ball. That's true. The season ended. Um, I mean, Brooke Lopez is like critical for them right? in a way that makes me a little nervous because I'm kind of waiting for him to suffer a, like a big injury, you know, like oh, he had a lot of the problems. <laughs> no, it's like, it, it, I don't mean to say that to be mean or anything, right. but like <laughs> he had right. severe foot problems uh, earlier in his career and he's not young and they play extremely fast even when he's on the floor and so uh leaning on him to make threes you know he wasn't even shooting the three ball particularly well this season I think he was like below 30 percent for most of the year I don't know where he finished but he's just so critical to how they play defense where you know he's in drop coverage he's protecting the rim Uh, they're letting guys shoot threes so Brooke Lopez is really interesting and might be there. I don't know if he's their third best player, but he might be their third most important player, which is tricky. Right. I mean, and also they have a fantastic coach, which has helped some. Yeah. And he's going to, you know, some of Giannis's issues when they, when the teams get into that wall, which he's have trouble with. I think the coaching staff has done a great job of getting around stuff like that. Like having him, you know, pass early, go quick pick and roll, go behind the defense. And I think the coaching might be one of the most important part of that whole process with that team during the playoffs. They have to do some different things. They can't just let him try and dribble through the wall. That's not going to work. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was what kind of did them in last year against the Raptors, I think, where Nick Nurse probably outcoached Coach Bud a little bit. Yeah, he bit. pretty much could outcoach everybody besides Popovich, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a great coach. Um, yeah. But, no, I mean, it's going to be really interesting and in seeing how many minutes they play Giannis because they really like to limit his playing time. And particularly now where I don't really know how medical staffs are going to deal with guys and load management and how many minutes guys are going to play and what the, the, the rest routine is. And Should be able to get rest in the bubble. That's for sure. You don't have too much to do, right? Yeah, that's right. That's very true. Very true. Yeah. Uh, where do you land on Philly? I had them actually go, coming out the East, so that didn't age too well. But, you know, you never know in this bubble. Uh, Philly's, yeah, Philly's interesting. I think they have a lot of question marks still. Embiid's conditioning, I think, is really interesting. If he comes into the bubble and he looks chiseled and he's, you know, able yeah. to play 36 minutes a night, fine, without laboring – uh, they're going to be tough. They still don't have enough shooting, in my opinion. Uh, losing Redick in the offseason last year was a big blow to them. They need a lot out of Josh Richardson. They need him to shoot the ball really well. They need Tobias Harris to run, pick, and roll because Ben Simmons can't shoot. And so you're kind of just like uh, a lot. I think, you know, losing Redick, losing Jimmy Butler, yeah. I think really does a little – does tricky things to their offense and then there's the whole Al Horford question where you know can he play beside uh Joel Embiid and when the numbers when those two are on the court together throughout the whole regular season they were just atrocious and Horford was benched uh towards the end of the year which seems like it was a million years ago but was just in March so uh yeah I'm they're an interesting team uh, they're also not going to have home court. They, they they were dominant in Philadelphia, and they're not going to have that advantage anymore. So I'm really interested to see how they perform. Uh, to your point, very interesting. I would say the two most interesting teams are Houston, your team, and and the Sixers. That'd be that'd be crazy yeah. if they ended up in the finals. Oh, uh, speaking of Houston, you must have been really happy when they made that trade because it, it definitely gives them a better chance to win it all. I mean, even though the chances aren't high, definitely gives them a better chance. 
no smart trade i thought um i personally uh haven't never been too high on clint capella um i thought he I thought he fit extremely well with how they played offensively with how shouts to him. He got paid too. Shouts oh, to yeah, for sure. And <laughs> that's great. Uh, you know, <laughs> guys with that skill set do not get that kind of money and won't get that kind of money going forward. So it's really nice for him. I think he's great. He's going to have fun in Atlanta with Trey young and that's great. But <laughs> in terms of winning a championship, which is the goal for Houston, I don't know how many minutes a guy like that can play who just, Really limited offensively. Uh, again, uh, you know, having someone who can catch lobs with Harden and Westbrook is really nice. But yeah. having someone who can't do anything outside the paint offensively when Westbrook is already just like abandoning his three-point shot and you want to play with space, uh, there was no room for Capella. So you throw in Covington, I think it's just it, – it's a much better fit for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's so beneficial to have your rim running big, be able to hit threes, too. That's why I like Jaron Jackson Jr. so much. I think he's, he's I think stud. he has all-star potential, for sure. Stud. Yeah. yeah. Um, one question about Sports Illustrated before we get out of here, Michael. You've been more than gracious with your time. How much of Sports Illustrated's content is still consumed in print? Uh, I would not be the person to ask that question. I, I, I do not know. Um, okay. I would say uh you know industry wide or just like uh how we function now as people we don't really read print as much as we read unless it's like at the dentist office or something but then people are still on their phone (laughs) (laughs) i personally uh love print i have like multiple magazine subscriptions oh really still yeah i mean i i love like holding something in my hand but i'm i don't really even think i'm that old but i just remember when i used to do it so much as a kid and so i'm still supporting all that stuff but yeah i would say people definitely are more in tune with their phones than oh 100 percent magazine in your hands yeah michael great stuff you're always welcome back on the show let us know where we could find you on social media and everywhere else uh, sure. So feel free to follow me on Twitter at Michael V Pina and that's on Instagram as well. And yeah, give it a follow. Um, hopefully I'll be, uh, you know, I also, as you've said multiple times, co-host the open floor podcast with Ben Golliver. Well, we do, uh, we've been doing two episodes a week throughout the nice. whole, uh, I guess quarantine and, or I guess, uh, I don't even know what to call the hiatus, I guess. So we'll continue to do two. I don't know if Ben might actually be going uh, to the bubble. Wow. So we're going to be doing episodes. I don't want to like break news here. I don't think there's been confirmation on his end yet. But uh, if he does, we'll still be doing the episodes and he'll be recording them from the bubble. So we'll have bubble access, which is great. Uh, So subscribe to that podcast. And uh, thank you so much for having me on, man. This was fun. Oh, anytime. It's great hearing Ben in the hosting role. You always hear him as a, he's like guested everywhere. Ben is, he does a lot of podcasts, you know. He does so, a lot of podcasts. So yeah. it's good to hear. It gives it like that different dynamic hearing him as a host. Keep it going. And you're always welcome yeah. back on the show. Talk soon, Michael. Thank you so much, Ben. Anytime. There it is. Thank you for listening to Combos Court and big shouts to Michael for joining in. We appreciate you. I said it before the show. I'm going to say it again. Rate and review wherever you listen to Combos Court. It helps the show tremendously. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And be on the lookout for episode 177. Combo out.